Okay, so here we go. Um, okay, so this is a quite a famous book. Tafresh from Gimel, and I think, and it used to be Tafresh from Gimel and Tafresh from Dalid were together. Uh, I think nowadays they have they printed it with just Tafresh from Gimel by itself. Uh, these are the early years. This is actually before the Rebbe Rashab became uh, Rebbe, um, way before the institution of Tamchet Mimim. And in this book, there are a number of Maimarim that are uh, are very famous where the Rebbe Rashab really just like puts it out very clearly a lot of the uh, main ideas of Hasidus. Now, the main idea that we're going to be dealing with is the main idea of Achtus Hashem, the oneness of Hashem. And in this Maimer, which is the Maimer called Ha'umnam, Ha'umnam is actually in the middle of a of a Hemshech of Maimarim called Rebrachia, right? But this Maimer in particular is a famous Maimer that, uh, that people learn. Um, and it talks about different levels of how to look at the oneness of Hashem. Okay? So essentially what we're going to be doing here is just like, for example, when you look, just let's talk about a Gashmiistic example. Right, so you see that this table is a very hard table, right? It's matter, but we all know because we, you know, spend some time learning science. Uh, we know that that is in fact not true. It is the matter is not what it appears to be. That in fact, we when we look at it from if we were to take a gigantic microscope, we would be able to see that this is not solid. In fact, at all, it's actually made up of atoms. Right? And these atoms themselves are, for example, right, you have protons, neutrons, electrons right, that, that are making them up. And the majority of the protons, or the atoms, are in fact empty space. Right? So if you, then if you look at, for example, a proton, right, and you say, oh, well, the proton is a solid mass. Well, once again, if you look again at a deeper level, you see that in fact the proton itself is also Tremendous amount, 99.9% empty space, right? So what we're doing essentially is saying that, and this is according to science, this is not, a, this is not we're not even in, in the realm of Hasidus here. What we're saying here is that the world that we are perceiving is in fact quite different from our perception. Our perception of the world is that everything around us, matter is solid, right? I can't walk through a wall. I can't, if I, you know, hit the table with my hand, I'm expecting my hand to stop at the table. I, you know, I feel a bit of pain if I hit it down very hard, right? These are the facts that we are living with. But when we look at, from a scientific point of view, we in fact know that this is not actually the emis, Okay. So, why is it that we see things this way? Because this is the way Hashem made us see things. That this is our perception. Yes? Similarly, right, we can also look at the world, let's talk about it in terms of Hasidis and Taira and Pnimis Taira. What we're going to see is that the world appears to be one way, but in fact, as we start, and we'll call it like almost like taking off the peels of the onion, Right, we are going to see that in fact it is not what we are perceiving. That it's actually Hashem creating the world, and then we're going to get to the point where is there really anything else here except for Hashem? Right, and there's a step-by-step process about. Essentially, we're going to be talking about three levels in Haumnam. Now, Haumnam 
like I said, is part of a greater hemshich of a maimarim. Hemshich means a group of maimarim that are coming together, right, to bring out a certain point. When you have a hemshich, generally the way the hemshich works is that just like if you learn a mimer in the Torah, for example, right, that you have question number one, question number two, question number three, question number four, then you have the body of the mimer, and then you have answer question number four, answer question number three, answer question number two, answer question number one. So you have the similar ideas in a hemshech, right? So I would say that this haumnam is the body of the mimer, right? We were discussing many questions leading up in the previous mimer and discussing those questions back and forth. And we begin actually this mimer, which we're not going to do this part, referencing back to concepts that we spoke about in the first mimer. And then we get into the major nakuda. Now, what's the major nakuda? So if you look on page Sadeke, which is what I, what I, um, I uh, took a picture of and I sent it on the class chat for us, right? If you look over there on page Sadeke, right, you could go one, two, three, four, five, six lines down. Everyone sees? There's a period line and it says V'yuvat. Okay? So that's where we're going to start from. Now, what are we going to be talking about to begin with? The most important part of why we're learning this mimer is a, an art that Hasidim were always involved in. And it's something that um, is not uh, necessarily practiced as much today, but for no reason other than I don't know why. <laughs> and that art is the art of meditation. Contemplation, meditation, you can call it by a number of different ways. The idea of getting used to a concept, integrating a concept, uh, internalizing a concept. This is the mimer that people have often used to drive home an idea. The famous, as Rabbi Paltiel says in his shir, right, the famous mashpia that lived after, that he uh, wound up in Eretz Yisrael after the war, war is a mashpia named Shlomo Chaim Kesselman, right, who was the teacher to so many of the mashpiyim that are around today, right, including Rabbi Tzvibel, Allah Vashalom, who used to live here, uh, people like Adin Steinzaltz, who most people have heard his name before, and many of the mashpiyim that are, uh, you know, around in, in the different yeshivas today. And he, uh, they actually wrote, um, very nicely, they wrote a, a two-book uh, series about him in Hebrew, and uh, about a, probably about two or three years ago, came out with a condensed version of it in English that Uri Kaplun translated part of it, uh, which is Kedai to read. It's, it's very, very fascinating. And he was a, a teacher par excellence in terms of bringing a person to a level that maybe he never thought that he could reach. He was a person, he was a mashbi, he was a teacher that really was able to zero in on the individual and be able to recognize how am I going to bring this individual to a new level? How am I going to bring this individual to a point that he is not totally obsessed with his bad midos, with his nefesh of Bahamias, but is able to go beyond his natural uh, state of being? Which, obviously, if we're all here, this is something that we're all interested in. Right? So the question is, how does one do this? 
So if you have an incredible mashpia like Shlomo Chaim Kesselman, so he is able to hold you by the hand and he's able to tell you to work on this point and this point and this point. Unfortunately, we don't have that. But we do have a legacy of Hasidim that talk about the concept of thinking Hasidis before davening. Now, in the olden days, this used to be called his Bainanus. And the his Bainanus that they would do would be uh, you know, mind-boggling to even think about, but a, a deep dive into a concept where you have stories of people that would spend hours and hours and hours thinking, or call it meditating, whatever you want to call it, and to the point that they were not even there. What do I mean by they were not even there? Like you could talk to them and they didn't even know of your presence. That's how deep it was by them. Right? By most of us, if we think about a concept, even if we're going deep, 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 when someone sits there and talks in front of you, I'm, I'm going to pretend I don't hear him. I'm going to pretend, you know, whatever. But uh, we, we're very much uh, in touch with who we are. In later years, since most of us, or maybe all of us, are not able to reach such levels in depth of meditation, what we start talking about is more the idea of trachting chasidis, which is essentially an idea of meditating, getting in touch with yourself, getting in touch with the ideas that uh, Hasidus talks about, and using a mimer as a, so to speak, as a tour guide of this meditation. So in other words, instead of meditating in terms of let's just sit here you know, and just focus on our breath, try to empty our mind or something like that that we often hear about from Eastern meditation, right? Here, what we're talking about is calming the mind on the one hand and then focusing the mind on a particular avenue of information which will hopefully become, through this process, become internalized within me. That information i.e., about God, when it is internalized in the person, should change the person. That's the goal. The goal is that a person should become different because of it. Because, for example, when we think about, let's just talk about the Gashmiya world, when we think about any piece of information for an extended period of time, it's going to change us. It's going to make us look which is one of the reasons why it's so important to be careful about what we see with our eyes. Because what happens is very often, like for example, a person got, you know, would go to, let's say, a movie or something like that. Essentially, what is a movie? A movie is a way of hypnosis that a person sits there for an hour and a half or two hours. I mean, it used to be when we were growing up, right? You know, I don't know if people go to the movie theaters anymore. Hopefully not. But... You know, we'd go to a movie theater and it was like these very comfortable chairs and it was very dark and this big, you know, big screen, right, in front of us with the, with the you know, Dolby sound. I remember when Dolby sound came out, you know, and, 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 and it puts you into a, almost like a trance-like state where you just are swallowing the information that is posed in front of your eyes. So if that information is like this really feel-good type of story, you walk out of the theater and you feel really good. You feel good. You feel good. You could feel good for hours after the movie. 
right? And not only that, you very often think back to different scenes in the movie, and it could be that, you know, none of us hopefully have watched movies in many years from, you know, already, but, you know, unfortunately, you still get scenes of the movie popping up into your mind. Why? Because we were in such a hypnotic state that it just became so immersed into us that it pops up into, it's popping up into our minds. It'll come back out at different times. You know, you could be walking down the street and all of a sudden uh, you realize that you're thinking about a movie that you saw when you were 10 years old. I'm like, where did that come from? You know, like what triggered that? But it's been so internalized within me that's happened. And unfortunately, uh, many of the ideas that Hollywood came out with, you know, over the, you know, whatever it is, the past X amount of years, have in, in essence really change the way we think, right? What we think is beautiful, what we think is important and out of a, out of a, a romance or something like that, a, uh, you know, a, a relationship. What do we think is, you know, uh, great or not great, right? So much of that is clouded by, especially, you know, when I was a kid, you know, I certainly, you know, watched movies and, and so much of that mindset is clouded by the approach of those movies, because why, though? Why was that so important? Because that's what, at a, so to speak, a, almost like a hypnotic state of being, I was in, and it became so, so to speak, swallowed, integrated in my psyche. And therefore, it winds up, if you really trace it back, you can find in yourself that there are things that, right, uh, that we watched that became real in my life and it be, and it wound up changing or coloring the way I think about different subjects. Why? There are many things that I saw growing up, but yet the movies wound up affecting me much more than many other things. And the reason why is because my mind was still. When you go to a movie, your mind is not thinking about Oh, I have to pay the bill tomorrow and I have to, I have a test on Tuesday and I have to study for this and my SATs are coming up and my this and my that. All of a sudden your mind just goes totally blank and it's ready to see whatever, whatever that movie is showing me. And so therefore it becomes very internalized in a deep place within me. And therefore that, like I said, changes my outlook on many topics based on Right, the movie and what, what the movie is saying, and, and, and you know, unfortunately, it's it, it, it impacts people's lives in a very negative way, also, because uh, it, you know, in Hollywood, you can make things that don't exist in real life, and all of a sudden, you know, you have people that are that are trying to, uh, you know, look a certain way, right, or behave a certain way, or things that are accomplish certain things that are really not really shy, not really possible, you know except for in the movies. But unfortunately, those movies became so internalized within me that now that impacted my outlook on life. So Lahavdil, what we want to accomplish here is to take information that we want, that we're choosing, and integrate that into my life to integrate that into my outlook. Now, on the one hand, obviously, it's not going to be the same as watching a movie, right? Because it's sort of done for you. And with us, what we're trying to do is to ourselves make it happen, which most of us 
have never really trained our brains. In other words, we could be tremendous in terms of, like, let's say, lifting weights or running a mile or doing different physical activities. But if you remember back when the first time you tried to run, you couldn't run from here to the end of the block. Why? Because you're not used to it. You're out of breath within, uh, you know, within uh, 25 seconds or maybe even 10 seconds, depending on what your physical uh, situation is. So if you think about it, really, has any, have any of us really trained our brain? And in particular, our prefrontal cortex, which is this idea of focusing, being able to focus on one thing for an extended period of time or to take control. How many of us are, uh, you know, in this generation of, I guess, uh, you know, so many of us, we throw around words like ADD or ADHD, you know, like, uh, like it's like no, <laughs> no one's business, right? Whether someone has a really uh, an official diagnosis or not, our whole generation is like this. You know, we're sitting down, okay, we're going to sit down and, and learn the mimer now. And then all of a sudden our telephone, oh, I just have to check my messages, okay? I check my messages, okay, let's sit down and run the mimer. Oh, I, I think I just have to go to the bathroom for a second, excuse me for saying, right? No, you go, you go, oh, okay, let's sit down and read the mimer. Oh, no, I just remembered I have to call my Aunt Trudy that is having a birthday today. And, and all of a sudden, oh, let me just call her for a second, right? In other words, to re- make a resolve to focus on one thing and actually do that thing without 15,000 different ideas coming into my head, or let's say even if those 15,000 ideas come into my head saying, stop, I'm not going there. That's not where I am at. So really what we're doing here is two things. Number one is the idea of training our brains to be able to sit still, to be able to focus on one thing. And to be able to say to the Yitzhahara, no, stop, I'm not going there. Right? Which, like I said, most of us find it hard to do that for more than five seconds. I'm adding myself in this group of most of us. Right? It's just because most of us were never trained. Now, there are few individuals that have a, per, you know, a a tendency to be able to accomplish that, that's wonderful. But the majority of the people do not. And so therefore, just like what I'm, what I'm suggesting, what I'm arguing is just like it's impossible to run more than a block, maybe two, if you're not used to it. So you have to begin by running that two blocks or that one block. And then if you run it today and you run it again a second time today and you run it maybe tomorrow, all of a sudden you could add... a th- a third block, and maybe even a fourth block, and maybe even go to, you know, a half a mile, okay? It doesn't come overnight. It doesn't happen, like, out of, you know, magic, you know, hocus-pocus, and then it happens. It happens through practice, and it, and it applies to all aspects of your life, because, like, even... Um, Modern-day science now talks about how unhappy people are. They did an experiment, I, was, uh, I heard about, that, that they would text people at different times during the day and ask, how are you feeling now? You know, are you happy or this? And very often, people would answer back that they're like, 
negative, you know, some sort of negative feeling, depressed, whatever. And it came out, well, what are you doing? You know, and they would be like, oh, I'm just like staring into space or whatever. I'm just like thinking about whatever. I'm not, they're not present uh, with whatever is happening. Now, why aren't they present with whatever they're doing? Because, again, the mind is not trained. Since the mind is not trained, so then, therefore, their mind is just going off into 15 million different directions which is causing the person to either have this recording of negative thoughts continually going in his brain, or the feeling of a lack of being present with whatever it is that he is doing, even if it's work, right? He's at work and he's dreaming about going on vacation, you know, the person that's at work and is actually doing the work is happier than the person who's dreaming about the vacation. And it could be that when he's on vacation, he's dreaming about what he has to do at work. He's not anywhere. He's not where he's supposed to be. So why is that? So the answer why that is, is because of this exact point of a lack of being able to focus, a lack of being able to be, choose to be present with wherever they are at. Now, once a person has been able to focus and to study focusing, and to be studying being present, so then we have to recognize, okay, what do we want to put into this mix, into our cake batter? And now what we want to put in is these ideas of Hashem. Because these ideas of Hashem are going to then make Hashem real in my life. Right? As opposed to Hashem being a nice bumper sticker that says, you know, people have on their cars, Eno Milvado. There's nothing else except for God. And everything like, yeah, great bumper sticker, very cool. Or maybe you wear you know, it on a pin on yourself or something like that, or you wear it on your yarmulke or whatever. It's, it's a one-liner. One-liners are, are not real. It's not going to change the way I approach life. It's like, if you think about it, you know, it's like there's people that have... You know, we're going to think positively now. And they're like, oh, thinking positively, but nothing's happening in their life. Yeah, because you have 99 pounds of negative thinking, and then you put it on top. You put this one pound of like, yeah, I feel good today. I'm great, you know, whatever. But there's nothing there. You know, it's, it's like just smeared on the top. So here what we're talking about is, is putting a deep imprint into myself of what Hashem is trying to teach me how Hashem is impacting my world, how Hashem is impacting the entire existence. Where is the existence without Hashem? There is no existence, right? So it's a matter of what we're talking about, what, why I chose this mimer is, number one, this is a mimer to use as a focus tool because of the information that is given is number one, it's very step-by-step, and it's very easy to follow. Number two, the information that it's teaching us is very relevant to my relationship with God, and therefore my relationship to life. And so what I want us, each of us to do along the lines of over the next week or so, or two weeks or however long it takes when we, as we're going to learn this mimer, is to commit to spending not just time learning the mimer, which means learning the mimer from 8 to 8.30 after I you know, spend a half hour giving a shear, going over what we're doing, spend time in the nighttime, 
But to try to, if you learn it a bunch of times, it's automatic that you'll memorize it. You don't need to memorize word for word. You just have to memorize the ideas and the step-by-step process. And then to spend, start off by spending a minute, two minutes before davening, thinking about an idea in this. And slowly but surely build yourself up. And as you take this idea, whatever idea that you choose in the mimer, every time your mind wanders, go back to the beginning again. And start training your mind to not wander. In other words, it's okay for your mind to wander, but you have to recognize that my mind is wandering now. So go back to the beginning. And slowly but surely, recognizing even the recognition that my mind is wandering is a success. Because you're at least tuning in. And what we're going to train ourselves to do over the next hopefully through until Shavuos, is to train our minds to tune in. That's going to be our goal. And hopefully, right, today is Chavches, uh, right? Kayach Nisan, the famous day from Rebbe, right? That we have to now change, right? We have to do everything that we can do also, right? To bring Mashiach. So the idea is that from now until we have about a month in a week or something like that, during this time, we should be able to, by Shavuos, to say, oh, wow, now I'm able to spend five minutes before davening really thinking, and I'm able to do it, or eight minutes before davening and really thinking, or ten minutes before davening and really thinking. But it doesn't happen at once, like I said. And this will change your life. This meditation will change your life. Because, number one, first and foremost, it's going to train your brain to be present wherever you are. Now, obviously, it's not going to happen overnight, like I said, but it's going to train you. Point number two, which is essential, is that it's going to internalize these ideas of Hashem into my life. So therefore, when things are going on in my life, I could, first of all, recognize that it's Hashem, and second of all, I can call out to Hashem and ask Hashem to help me and to be involved with my life more. But to really recognize the Eibishter in my life. Okay? So that's the goal. So I'm going to stop now with this introduction. We didn't read anything inside. But, uh, but we'll stop here. And we'll start. Hopefully I'm going to get uh, copies. You guys could start taking a look from Vayuvan Behektim. Right? During your time of studying now and also tonight. And I will, Mir um, begin uh, reading inside tomorrow.